This podcast of Out to Lunch is made possible by FSC Interactive, an online marketing agency specializing in social media, paid search, and search engine optimization. FSC-focused, smart communications empowers customers to take control of their online brands. More at fscinteractive.com. Smart is their middle name. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Common sense is difficult to define. In business, people with unique and quirky ideas can run into a lot of negativity based on common sense. A few years ago, it was the stupid idea of putting a camera in a phone. Common sense said it would never work. People who want to make a phone call don't want to buy a camera. Then there was the idiot idea of fancy coffee. Who's going to pay $5 for something with a stupid name like Frappuccino? How about the guys who decided that at a time when newspapers are going under all over the country, when New Orleans' one remaining paper couldn't get enough advertising to sustain itself, they're going to launch a brand new daily newspaper in New Orleans. That newspaper is The Advocate. Its editor is Peter Kovacs. Uh, Peter, welcome out to lunch. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Now, opening a business is unimaginably difficult. Most people do it once, maybe twice in a lifetime. Colin Grusing is doing it once a week. Colin's company, 52 Businesses, is launching a new business every week for a year. It's not a gimmick, it's not a reality TV show, it's a real business model. Common sense has got to tell you that's crazy, right? Like the Frappuccino. Colin Grusing, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, thanks Andy. for having me. Now Peter, um, we're all more or less familiar with how the New Orleans Advocate got started. Instead of declaring defeat due to declining ad revenue, the Times-Picayune decided to pitch itself as an exciting new model with a three-day-a-week paper and a website. Uh, where others saw doom and the death of the daily paper nationwide, businessman John Georges saw an opportunity. He bought the Baton Rouge Advocate, hired a lot of talented folks the Times-Picayune discarded, and that would be including you, and started a whole new edition of the Advocate in New Orleans. So let's start with the obvious question. The Times-Picayune claimed there wasn't enough ad revenue to fund one newspaper in New Orleans. Is there enough revenue for two, or probably more accurately, maybe one and a half? Is, is there enough out here? Oh yes, we think there is, and, and we think that the, the uh, rumors of the death of the daily local newspaper have been exaggerated, uh, and that um, there's still a good marketplace for it. Uh, most, uh, most of the owners of newspapers are not doing what they did with the Times-Picayune. Uh, you know, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, right, that's who's a, a friend of he yours, bought, right, he is, bought is, a... is buying newspapers. Yep. Um, the price of them is down, and so he's a guy who knows how to find a good investment. So uh, we think it's a little premature to write the obituary of the daily newspaper. Now, uh, I know uh, you've got a certain attitude that comes with uh, trying to compete for the brand new paper. I, I went to your office once, and you've got a giant pirate flag hanging up there. Is that kind of the, the way you feel? Uh, we do. We, we want to approach this with kind of a, a pirate mentality. You know, I think it's um, 
Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs, I think I read this there, um, that uh, his line in the early days of Apple was that it's more fun to be a pirate than join the Navy. And so, um, <laughs> and so that's, that's how we approach this. And Peter, I just have to ask you, how do you define or measure success? Is it the growing subscription rate? Is it ad revenue? Is it the buzz about the paper? What is it? Well, it's kind of all of the above, and, and we get so much positive reaction from the community, and I really go out in the community a lot and, and try to listen to readers, including when they're not happy. Um, so, you know, we're growing, you know, the rest of this industry is shrinking, sometimes by, you know, five, eight percent a year, and, and we're growing. Uh, we're growing in New Orleans, uh, and we're growing in, in Acadiana, too, where we've also launched a separate newspaper. So tell, tell me that, because we yeah. might not understand that yeah. in New Orleans. We've got the Baton Rouge Advocate, you've got the New Orleans Advocate, and... and we have the Acadiana Advocate, which <laughs> serves the Lafayette area, and for example, and each newspaper is... Uh, some elements of it are common, such as, for example, the, you know, the comics and the puzzles, and some elements of it are remade. And so, for example, you know, in this morning's editions of the newspaper, the Lafayette edition would have had more attention focused on their baseball team, and the Baton Rouge edition would have had more attention focused on LSU. Colin, as I mentioned, you're doing what most business people do once or twice in a lifetime, but you're doing it once a week. So far, you've launched businesses as different as an apparel brand, a tourist app, and a company that writes personalized wedding Hel vows. Helps, helps write wedding helps vows. Helps write, that may, that's, I'm feeling a little better about that now. There's a, I'm sure that every single person listening uh, is thinking the same thing. So I have to start by asking why, why are you doing this? I assume like most businesses, it's to make money or is it? Um, it, did, it did start out that way. Um, the model has changed a little bit. Uh, we, we always knew that we were going to start some of our own businesses and then transition into helping other people start businesses. Um, <clears throat> we were so overwhelmed in even the first week with support and people coming to us. We had over 100 people submit ideas in the first week. Um, so wow. we've kind of moved to helping other people start businesses uh, more so than starting our own. We have a great team. Um, there's three of us. We all have our specialties. And a lot of times we're just, everyone's got to do a little bit of everything because um, we don't have that much time to execute. And then, you know, we, we call on um, outside experts and professionals and partners. That's where we really can provide value is by bringing in experts. We don't, we don't claim to be experts in everything or anything, uh, but we do know a lot of really smart people and we help these um, entrepreneurs meet the right people and get the, get the best advice. And then we really kind of run them through a boot camp and push them to, uh, you know, to do what they've been meaning to do, but get more done than they thought they would do, particularly in a week. Well, how do you, from the expression of those blues songs, keep the wheels on the bus? Are they, do you, do you, do you, do We've you, had some problems with the bus, uh, <laughs> definitely. I, uh, not physically, but monetarily. Is it, do, you, oh, okay. uh, do you charge anything? No, no, we definitely don't charge anything. We don't want to take any equity. Um, we're hoping we can continue to help businesses without taking any equity. Uh, currently, we're just self-funding, and it's, you know, it's less expensive than you think. Uh, we definitely could use some help. Um, if How there's about anyone these experts out there. that you tap into? Do they do it pro bono? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, no money changes hands ever. Um, it's a great model. I mean, they get some exposure. They get to help 
build the community and they might get like a long-term client out of it. Like if it's a banker or a lawyer or an accountant, um, you know. And you have all those on the bus. Yeah, It is a heck of a definitely. bus. We've, we've <laughs> had some like, some really much more important people than, than ourselves come on the bus and it's always a little weird. They're, they're looking around at first, but we have them sign the ceiling and they, you know, usually end up having a great time. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, Peter, what, um, what does, what do you tell people? What distinguishes the advocate from the, the Picayune these days? Um, well, uh, the starting thing that distinguishes it is that it comes every day. <laughs> and, um, okay. and, and really, you know, if you think back to two years ago, around this time was when the owners of the Times-Picayune announced that they were going to stop being a daily newspaper. And, and really, the complaint with that could be summed up in one sentence, that people wanted a daily newspaper. They didn't want three days a week of newspaper. So I think that's the most distinguishing feature. You know, we have, you know, people in New Orleans you know, didn't just want a daily newspaper, they wanted a daily newspaper that was familiar to them. And they didn't want a daily newspaper that was rooted in Baton Rouge. And so, you know, we hired Stephanie Grace and James Gill and Nell Nolan, and, you know, the whole advocate is full of familiar names right. in New Orleans journalism. Um, and it, our aim is that it be familiar um, to people in New Orleans, and based on the reaction, I think people are comfortable with it. Now, Colin, do people uh, a lot of times have the same idea? No, no, really, hasn't, hasn't happened yet. That's a good question. Uh, surprisingly, I have not seen two of the same idea. <laughs> there's all these wow. And there's some wild and crazy stuff. And I'm not against. I mean, a lot of my businesses have been kind of wild and crazy stuff. So I'll, I'll hear anybody out for sure. Um, but it, it does kind of. It, the biggest challenge with it really is to tell whether or not, you know, is this person crazy or is this a, a visionary idea? And, you know, we don't really have time to do that much research. So we kind of have to go end up going with our gut. Um, and I think probably a few people have been put in the crazy category who perhaps might have been visionaries. Um, so if, if you're out there listening, feel free to reach back I remember you know, 40 years ago out. when Steve Jobs came onto your bus and you thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And Peter, I'm going to take advantage of you here because you're, you're a journalist. If you, as a journalist, what question would you ask Colin? The first question, you know, business writers, and you deal with yeah. business writers, always when someone tells you they're going to start a new business, they want to know what their financing is and how does that part of it work. And, and often in terms of judging the newsworthiness of something, you're trying to decide whether the person who's pitching you on a story actually has the money to do the thing they're pitching. Yeah. So how would that, how does that work? The, the return on investment really is amazing. I mean, we can operate on next to nothing. Jason and I are pretty comfortable not getting paid for the time being. Uh, we don't really spend money on rent or any overhead at all. Yeah, um, right. yeah. I mean, if we, you know, if we could get to pull together $80,000 a year, we could help 52 new businesses launch in, in New Orleans. We have one great sponsor uh, so far, Carrie Kirby at 365 Connect, great guy. He's oh, always great. there to help out um, a, new, a, a new business or someone who's trying to help new business. He's been absolutely great. And yes, we are definitely looking for more sponsors. And you know, our, our, our market, our audience, our demographic is very um, desirable. It's people who are um, wanting to start their own business. So anyone who's in business services could really benefit from Right, a bank, an yeah. investment firm. That. Now, this is the part of the show where we, we call it the checklist, and it's, it's the part where we take a break and ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So um, let's see, now, Colin, I'm just gonna start with you. Uh, <laughs> 
particularly appropriate with what you were just saying. When you were a child, were you in leadership or entrepreneurial ventures? Definitely not leadership at all. Um, <laughs> didn't make any sense to me, like student government or anything, because they, they just you didn't do anything. Um, but definitely entrepreneurial. That, yeah, okay. definitely entrepreneurial. Um, I mean, I've sold everything. Uh, we, one of the first was mulberries out of the backyard. We sold pecans. Um, I sold CDs. There was this ridiculous deal that you could get 12 CDs for 99 cents. Remember this BMG yes, or something? Yes, yes. Right. So I got 12 CDs and I sold them at school and then I had to buy six more, but I definitely ended up netting a profit. Um, <laughs> That's where you learn the term markup. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Sold what? concert tickets when that, when that was still a viable business and uh, probably a couple other things. But uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> My parents are both entrepreneurs. Oh. Um, well, they, they have one small business, really, but it's pretty entrepreneurial. They uh, make jewelry from recycled metal and sell it all over the country. So they, they certainly were more in that kind of path than than you know, the, corporate. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's pretty great. <laughs> and you're not done yet. So this, <laughs> no, yeah. 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 And Peter, um, this actually, this question actually came from somebody here at Commanders and uh, can tell everybody wants to talk to you and yeah. get these. Okay. All right. It said, if you, if you come back to the show in three years, how would things be different? Um, well, I think if I came back to the show in three years, um, we would have uh, more subscriptions. We probably would be you know, we're the biggest daily newspaper in Louisiana. We probably would be the biggest newspaper in Louisiana by that point. Um, I think we would get more, we and everyone else would get more of the revenue from, you know, non-newsprint products. Uh, you know, the great mystery in our business is, you know, trying to figure out the winning formula for getting revenue out of the next generation of, of products. And so I think we would be getting more of our revenue from that. I don't know whether it would be from, you know, advertising or subscriptions or memberships online, which is the new trend in our industry. But I think in some way we would be getting more money from that. And Peter, what are some of the models that newspapers are using? I, for instance, the New York Times, what, they, they have kind of an interesting model. The New York Times model um, is to, well, the entire newspaper industry, with a couple of exceptions, the Wall Street Journal and, interestingly, the Arkansas Democrat, uh, when the Internet, at first, their reaction to the Internet was to put the content on there for free. And that's what most companies do. We do that. Uh, NOLA does that. Um, and, and that made sense a lot in the beginning because you really needed, at the time when online habits were being formed, you really needed to be the dominant vehicle in your community. If you weren't the dominant vehicle, you had a problem. And so that made sense in the beginning, but increasingly you're giving away what you sell. And so that's not a model that'll take you forever. Um, the, you know, the New York Times has gone to a subscription model and very cleverly, and, and their technology works very well, is another thing. Um, and the Wall Street Journal always had that model, and increasingly, you know, Gannett, which owns 80-something newspapers, has gone to that model. Uh, you know, we haven't done that yet, but, and maybe we will at some point. Um, you know, the owners of the Times-Picayune are sailing their boat in kind of the opposite direction of the rest of the business. The rest of the business is trying to figure out how to charge customers for this content. And they have a different theory, and they're smart people. You know, Tom will tell whose theory is right. And when you get together at a, at a conference of newspaper people, this is probably the number one conversation, right? The this is, I find that, yeah, I find that people stop me and ask me what's going on. There's a lot of interest in what's going on in New Orleans. A similar thing, by the way, is going on in Los Angeles, where the, um, 
where the Orange County Register is trying to publish an edition for Los Angeles. Um, the circumstances are a little different because the, the LA Times, which is a great newspaper, uh, is still a daily newspaper. And so there isn't, uh, they believe that there are people in that market who want a different daily newspaper, but it would be easier for them if they were competing against a three-day-a-week newspaper than competing against an entrenched daily newspaper. Yeah, I could, now, down the road, do you think you'll have um, uh, an advocate in, like, Monroe, Shreveport, Alexander? You, um, you know, we've been asked that, and the, the limits on the footprint of this business model are the ability uh, for you to deliver a paper at more or less sunup that has an LSU night football game or Saints <laughs> night football game <laughs> in it. Does. And if you can't, and you can, probably can't do that in Monroe unless you fly it up there. But that really is as far as you can get from your printing press is as far as you can bring the paper yes. and get it delivered. So unless you want to predict how the fourth quarter goes, you might have to uh, be Well, that would be, you know, that would be a mistake. And we just had this weekend <laughs> of baseball games, which had rain, and they were very... <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, and, and baseball is much more unpredictable than football. Yeah. That, that would, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, well, let's check our inbox. That's where our producer picks a question that's come in um, over the past week from a, from a listener. Grant, what have you got? Peter, we've got a lot of questions for Colin on our Facebook page. Some really interesting ones. Uh, I've chosen this one from Haley Crum, who says, since this conversation is about defying business common sense and just going for it, what is a tipping point for just going for it? In other words, when should you just go for it and when should you actually listen to common sense? Um, so my answer is, is to always, in, in almost all cases, just go for it, but be very careful about how you go for it, be strategic. And that's what we try to show. And that's what the one week thing is about, is to show people how to responsibly test a business idea. So going for it doesn't mean quitting your job. It doesn't mean putting your uh, life savings or your kid's college on the line. What it does mean is put a small version of your product out there, put a first iteration out there, talk to as many customers as possible, then decide if it makes sense to take the next step. That's what we mean by going for it, not put everything on the line. Yeah, Peter, here's a question for you. It's an interesting question kind of about mass media consumption from Christine Elba, who says people will believe much of what they read, and they also make or break businesses with their dollars. Who really has more power, the herd or the shepherd? When I started in this business in uh, 30 years ago, um, the power of the media was, was much greater. The power of the titans of the media was much greater than it is today because they controlled the flow of information. And as, um, uh, and as H.L. Mencken said, you know, freedom of the press is open, available to anyone who owns one or something <laughs> like that. Um, and they controlled the flow of information. And so, you know, what the media decided was the information you deserve to know is what you knew. And a spectacular, I've always thought, example of that was, um, you know, was the fact that John Kennedy was having affairs and everybody knew it, and mostly he was covered by men who were probably also having affairs, and so they all decided that none of that needed to be known. Um, and, you know, now by contrast, you know, the public, the, the media is much more democratized, and I mean with a lowercase d. And, the public has much more control. You know, they can comment online on your articles. They can critique them and tell you what's wrong or what you left out. Um, you know, I don't think you would have 
an environment where um, a president having affairs would be kept secret. And indeed, in the case of Bill Clinton, you know, it wasn't. Um, so much more, um, much more the, the herd is in control. What an amazing show. We've gone from buses to, to, to affairs. That's a <laughs> Peter Kovacs, Colin Greasing. Even in a city that's attracting more entrepreneurial businesses than almost any other city in the country, you two stand out. Uh, Peter, the New Orleans advocate, is wading into deep water, going totally against the tide. Uh, Colin, 52 businesses sounds outrageously crazy, but in a matter of weeks, we'll know if it was just crazy enough to work. Uh, Peter, Colin, thank you both for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having us. This is, a, this is, by the way, a great deal. We're in beautiful Commander's Palace, and, uh, and we're eating. And if uh, we don't like your questions, we can't leave because the food's too Absolutely. <laughs> that is a big draw, isn't it? <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Peter Kovacs, editor of The Advocate, and Colin Grusing, the co-founder of 52 Businesses. You can find out more about Peter's paper and Colin's commerce that's very good alliteration, by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. On today's show, our researcher has been Chris Keogh. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. Information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, online at joneswalker.com. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. Thank you.